good morning, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is Adam. I'm the volunteer coordinator here at DHC. I am thrilled that you chose to come out today and join us live in person um, at our services here at the Museum of Discovery and Science. And those of you watching online, we'd like to welcome as well. Thanks so much for being here as we wrap up this four-week talk conversation series, whatever you want to call it, just this box that we put around a number of messages called Say What? And what we've done in the last number of weeks is we've actually looked at some of the craziest things that Jesus said when he walked on the earth. And we've unpacked them and we've talked about them. And interestingly enough, today, just might be the craziest. And so it's been a cool week, couple of weeks as we've walked through this together and as we've had some dialogue amongst each other and among, you know, amongst our church. And this has been really cool. Here's just one of the things that we want to say before we dive in here is that we just believe that when Jesus walked on this earth, that he said some wild stuff. And that we could probably all, even if we don't agree with everything related to Christianity or the way the world functions, we could probably agree on this, the idea that Jesus, when he was here, he said some crazy things and we've been unpacking them. In fact, let's take a little trip down memory lane on week one, John talked about, and we're paraphrasing a little bit, but this is what he basically said on week one. We talked about when he said, eat my flesh. That's a wild one. Okay. That one, you kind of step back and you go, wow, that will make you take notice, sit up and take notice. But we had Holy Communion that week and what that meant. And then on Easter Sunday, we looked at potentially the craziest thing that he ever said, maybe even the only reason that we're having this series and this discussion, because if this didn't happen, none of this mattered. So he actually said on Easter, we talked about that I'm going to die and come back. And then last week, uh, I was actually away last week. I had a phenomenal time uh, up in Tampa. I got to be a part of a little event called WrestleMania 37, and my heart was just really complete um, after missing it last year, but I was there. Thank you, folks. I appreciate that. And, uh, but the, last week, John talked about the first shall be last and what that looked like, and that if we want to be first in our life, then we really will understand what it looks like to be last. And then today, I'm going to wrap up this series. I'm going to wrap up this talk. I'm going to talk about potentially the most wild thing that Jesus ever said. And it's so key and it's so important. And I want to encourage you that this is going to be a powerful day. And maybe you walked in this morning and you didn't understand that it was going to be a powerful day. You just thought you're just coming to church to hang out. And I, I really believe that you may, you know, have just thought you're going to hear another message, but today's going to be a powerful day. So buckle on. Because the craziest thing potentially that Jesus ever said was that we need to forgive the unforgivable. And so we're going to spend the next 20, 25 minutes unpacking this and what this looks like in each one of our lives. And I just believe that as we just kind of step back and look and, and, and kind of take inventory of the room and our lives and all those good things, that we could all agree on this, that forgiveness is a difficult topic to talk about. Man, it's so difficult to talk about. And I'll tell you why I believe it's really difficult to talk about. I believe that forgiveness is difficult to talk about because it brings up feelings and emotions that we would rather bury. We have to look deep inside of ourselves when we think about forgiveness and talk about forgiveness because when we look deep inside of ourselves, we actually might realize that someone, something, a group of people, maybe somebody close to us, maybe somebody not close to us, they may have hurt us in some way. 
And we would rather bury those feelings. Human beings would rather push those feelings down and not deal with them. Maybe you're different than me. Maybe you want those things to come up and have emotional moments that are like therapy all the time. I don't, right? I want to push them down and bury them. All right. So as we dive into this message today, here's what I want everybody to do. Everybody just stop doing what you're doing, okay? If you're in with me, if you're not in with me, I want you to stop doing what you're doing. Take a look right here. Take a look, look right at me. We're going to do something now that it should not make you uncomfortable right where you're at, but it's going to be, I think, powerful in terms of an exercise. So I want everybody right where you're at to close your eyes, okay? Go ahead and close your eyes. Ma'am, please, thank you so much. I appreciate it. No, she was really closing her eyes. I just did that for effect. Okay, close your eyes. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think right now and visualize in your mind. Think of the worst thing that someone has ever done to you. Keep them close. Think about it. Okay, you can open your eyes. Now, I don't know what happened to you in that moment right there. I don't know what that looked like in your heart, in your life. But if you're like me, you've had some emotion stirred inside of you at the moment. Maybe it brought up feelings from the past that you haven't dealt with. Maybe you've brought up something that made you angry, or maybe it made you very sad, or maybe even in that moment you had to touch the corner of your eye because of what just visualizing that and realizing that did to you. I don't know what that did for you, but I know this. I know you probably saw a face or you saw an incident or you saw a name. And I just believe that when we think about how we've been wronged and when we ponder that and when we close our eyes and we visualize that, that emotion can be stirred inside of us. I don't know who you saw, right? But maybe somebody wronged you and somebody wronged you from your own family. Maybe it was your mom or dad or sister or brother or aunt or cousin, or or, or maybe it was a grandparent or a distant relative. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. When we think about the things that have wronged us and it's related to our own family, man, it hurts almost in a different level, doesn't it? It hurts even worse because these are our people who should be our blood, the people who should be there for us. It hurts if we have to think about a family member actually hurting us. Maybe it was a coworker or a client. Maybe somebody uh, gave you their book of business for a long time and moved that book of business to someone else for no good reason. Maybe somebody in your office really betrayed you and they did it for a reason where they got a promotion and you didn't and you don't like them. And it hurts you big time. I don't know what that looks like for you, but you do. Maybe it was a business partner and they screwed you out of money and something really bad happened along the way and it just didn't go well. And maybe you're holding on to that in your heart. Maybe it's even a different set of circumstances. Maybe it's not someone who you were close to. Maybe it's an enemy and it's been an enemy of yours and this person or this thing or this group of people have been an enemy of yours for a long, long time. I don't know who came to your mind and what came to your heart, but you do. And you're thinking about it and you're pondering about it and you're figuring out what do I do with that? 
Well, before Jesus walked the earth some 2,000 odd years ago, the ancient Israeli people, the Jewish people, had some historical laws. And they reviewed, and we're going back thousands of years now, um, and maybe you might even experience this in a little bit of the Jewish culture today if you have any history there. But one of the things that in the ancient Israeli culture was said that if someone wrongs you, basically you can wrong them back. You're familiar with eye for an eye, that if someone pokes your eye out, guess what? You can go ahead and in return, poke their eye out. Well, when Jesus came and walked on this earth and he was actually able to address that and address the culture of the time, he said something radically and drastically different than that related to people or things or whatever has hurt you, wronged you. Matthew chapter 5 says this. By the way, if you have a Bible, you can open it up with us. We'll be in the book of Matthew chapter 5. If not, no worries. You can look on your phone or it will be on our very large IMAX screen. Thank you, Museum of Discovery and Science. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Here's what it says. This is Jesus talking. Remember, this whole series is about the most wild things that Jesus has ever said. Here's what he said. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Speaking into the ancient Jewish culture, they would have heard this. They understand that. But Jesus goes on, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Hold hold on. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. You know what it makes me say when I hear that? I say this, hold the phone here, right? I don't know if you're familiar with this saying, hold the phone. My wife doesn't like it. John doesn't like it. I don't care. I like it. I don't even know what it means, but I said, hold the phone. John said, you may want to take that out. I said, no, nah, I want to say it. Hold the phone, right? What, what do you mean? And, and then next I go, Jesus, you, you say what, right? And I can't do this. Like John does it really well and like other people do it really well, but they want me to come up there. Like they said, you got to say it. And I said, I don't really want to say it. And they're like, but you have to, it's the series title. And so like, you're supposed to say it like, say what? But I don't do that really well. And so I just really want, thank you Tech Booth for giving me some emotional support there, but I don't do that well. And so, but anyway, this is what our response should be to that. Jesus, what do you mean? Pray for those who persecute me. Love my enemy. What in the world are you talking about? Well, the good news is in the book of Matthew chapter five, he goes on. He goes on to say, if you only love those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. Now, I'm not talking about our friends at the IRS when I say tax collectors. I'm not sure they're really friends of any of us, but we give them a shout out just in hopes that they process my return, which is now 37 days old, but I'm not bitter. Anyway, so one of the things that we are doing, Jesus is what he's doing here is he's saying even tax collectors do that. In the ancient Jewish culture, tax collectors were seen as the very scum and lowest lows of society. And Jesus actually says to these people, even tax collectors do that much, loving those who are like you, who agree with you. He goes on, if you are only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. You know, Jesus said this over 2,000 years ago, and I think that people around me, even the United States of America, could sure use a little bit of this right now. If you're only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, 
even as your Father in heaven, is perfect. Perfect. Jesus, I can't be perfect. Nobody can be perfect. And you're right. And I'm right in response to that. But that is not the point. Jesus is calling us to a different way in these words. He's doing something different and unique and rare. What Jesus is doing during this moment is he is changing the game. He is flipping the world. He is flipping society. He is flipping culture on its head. And he's saying to a culture that so desperately needed to hear it, you did this this way for so long. Someone wronged you, you could wrong them back. No more. Guess what you should do in the future? Forgive them. Love them. Even if they're different from you. Even if they've wronged you. He's changing the game. And as he always does, he is calling his followers to a higher standard. A different way of life. He's saying, you want to follow after me? You want to be considered a follower of mine? This is what you should do. This is how you should act. Isn't this the way that would change the world that we know it? So let's take a second and let's talk about forgiveness. Let's talk about forgiveness right where we are and why it's so difficult. I just believe forgiveness might be the most difficult thing that you will ever have to do. So the real question is, as we talk about forgiveness, as we look at forgiveness, why is forgiveness so difficult? Why, when we think back to when I started this message and we thought of that way that we were wronged in our life, why is forgiveness so difficult to achieve and so difficult to reconcile? I just believe that it's so important and so true for us to understand this, that when someone wrongs you, right? When someone wrongs you, it hurts. When someone wrongs you and you actually are a person who experiences pain and suffering, it's hard to reconcile that. It's hard to put that into words in our minds and our hearts of going, I don't know what to do with this. We're not trained people who know what to do with these thoughts or feelings. And not only does it hurt in a moment, and maybe let it marinate there for a little while, but it can hurt for a long, long time. Let's stop for a second, right? And think about what that hurt does to our lives. And again, why Jesus talked about this so strongly in his time here on earth. Let's stop for a second and let's ask this question. Don't miss this question, it's so key. When you choose not to forgive, what happens to your emotions? Are you that person who's constantly walking around telling everybody, about what you're choosing not to forgive, about how mad you are about this, about how someone has wronged you. And maybe people around you have heard about this for a long, long time. Maybe the people around you have stopped calling you and you've wondered why they've stopped calling you for such a long time. And it might be because you've chosen not to forgive this thing that you know that you need to forgive. Maybe some of you are even holding on to things in your own heart and own life, just like I heard about after the first service, that you didn't even know that you were holding on to. You know what happens when you choose not to forgive? What happens to your emotions? You become bitter. I, I, I mean, I just think this is so tr- true. You become bitter. And when you have bitterness in your heart, it changes how you see the world. You become bitter. And you just walk around almost with a bitter taste in your mouth, right? 
and you look at the world in a different way. And then furthermore, I just believe that you can carry around that bitterness long enough that you might even become angry that you've been hurt, that someone has wronged you. See, if bitterness is how you see the world, when you become angry, it's actually how you treat the world. And you let that bitterness flow out of your heart and flow out of your life. And then over the course of time, you know what eventually happens if we just let these things happen and, and land in our heart and corrode our heart over time, we become distant. And distance is how you interact with the world. Seeing if bitterness is how you see the world and anger is how you treat the world and distance is how you interact with the world. And over the course of time, when we hold on to these things and we don't let them go, we actually interact with the world in a distant way. We can pull away from the people we care about, the people who did nothing wrong, the people who might even be associated with the person who hurt you. And then do you know what happens over the course of time? Over the course of time, these emotions, bitterness, anger, distance, because someone wronged you, because someone hurt you, over the course of time, these emotions can invade and destroy your heart. I kind of look at this like your heart has a corrosion poured over it or a substance that corrodes it and it just over time erodes and it can destroy your heart. Holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. But we do it over and over and over again. In fact, even if you're somebody in this room right now who may have moved on from this in your life, or maybe, just maybe, you don't deal with this, or you dealt with this in the past, I guarantee you, you know somebody who's dealing with this right here, right now, today. Jesus goes on, and it's so, so cool what he says next, and it's so, so shocking what he says next about forgiveness that you do not want to miss it. Matthew chapter 6, the next chapter, verses 14 and 15, here's what he said. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Let me read it again for reference. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. So, so hold on, excuse me, hold the phone again. So if you're saying that if I don't forgive others, that God in heaven, you won't forgive my sins. I was talking with John, our lead guy about this this week. And we asked, we said, what do you think this actually means if we read it verbatim and word for word? And we both said the exact same thing. I don't know, but I don't want to find out. Therefore, we want to do what? Forgive those who have wronged us. If we want our Father in heaven to forgive our sins. So let me review a couple of common questions that I get, because if you're like me, you're sitting here now in this room and you're like, hey, okay, I got it. But, okay, but Adam, you don't understand what I've gone through. Jesus, you don't get, I know that you say forgive. However, I got a whole lineup and a whole list of things that exist to tell you and show you why I don't have to do this. And they're usually common questions about forgiveness. So I've put a number in front of them and put them on the screen. Here's the first one. Should I just be a doormat? I, I can't let someone just walk all over me. 
I can't let someone treat me this way for years on end. We'll address that in a second. Let me just explain to you my opinion on this. And again, this is my opinion. The only thing that's going on up here other, other than the actual verses that you read are a guy with a microphone giving you his opinion. So let me give you my opinion. No, you should not be a doormat. If you are in a situation, specifically one that is emotionally or physically abusive, you should get out as soon as possible. I believe that you can forgive and disengage relationally if it isn't healthy. I believe that you can do that. I believe that if you, for your life, are in an unhealthy situation and it's unhealthy relationally and someone has wronged you, I believe you could forgive in your heart, maybe express it, and then you could disengage relationally if it isn't healthy. I believe you can do that. Because I also believe this. If someone has been either abusive to you or their, related, their, their behavior is chronic, here's what I also want you to understand. Forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. Forgiveness doesn't make their behavior right or good. Forgiveness prevents their actions from destroying your heart. Forgiveness doesn't make what they did right. Forgiveness prevents that behavior, that action from destroying your heart. Like that image I gave you of that corrosion material just corroding your heart over the course of time. Here's another common question. I love this one. This one's so good and so true, right? Do not miss it. What if they don't ask or apologize or ask for forgiveness? Let me read that again. What if they don't apologize or ask for forgiveness? They didn't ask. They didn't say they were sorry. Even better, you acted first. Forgive them anyway. You know how many times I've sat across from people and had the dialogue and the conversation, well, I'm not gonna forgive them because they didn't ask. They didn't make it right. Forgiveness is not about them. It is about you and your heart not being destroyed. Even better if they didn't ask. You acted first. Forgive them anyway. And lastly, as we talked about being a doormat, I wanna build on that question. Adam, how often should I forgive someone? I've been asked this question many times. How often should I let this go on? They've really wronged me. They've really hurt me. I'm destroyed. I'm trying to make it here. How often should they do this to me? Well, I didn't really have a great answer for this, but Jesus did. In the book of Luke chapter 17, he says this, and it's radical, so buckle up. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Now, I know that while the Bible is black and white about this issue, that's pretty black and white. This is gray sometimes in our lives as we walk through this. In fact, someone said to one of us after the first service and we were chatting about it, man, I, I was so in with the message, I get it, but it took me a long time. It, it, it took me years. We get it. Forgiveness is not necessarily just a decision. Even though it is, sometimes takes a long time. It's a process and it is. We understand all of it. But we just believe one thing. We believe based on the verses that we've read here today, it's so important to understand Jesus is pretty passionate about forgiveness. It was one of the many things that he talked about during his life on earth when he spoke into a culture that so desperately needed change and transformation. 
And Jesus changed that way of life. So a lot of times people will ask me this question, and I love this because I get asked this question a lot. Adam, do you think God, and then they'll ask the question, and a lot of times people would ask me, why do you think God was so passionate? Why do you think Jesus was so passionate about forgiveness? Why did he talk about it so much? My response when I'm asked that question is generally always the same. I don't speak for God. I don't. Because I don't want that authority or responsibility on my shoulders when I have to look at him. Because I just say, I don't, I don't speak for him. So nothing that I say is in concrete, you know, is in stone here. Trust me. So I always say this. I, I don't speak for God, but I have a hunch. I have an idea as to why he might have been so passionate. So a lot of us, as we think back to the open of the message, when I asked you to close your eyes and think about the thing that someone has done that wronged you the most, a lot of us haven't let that go. A lot of us have been holding on to things. Maybe it was recent. Maybe some of us have been holding on to things for a long, long time. But when we don't forgive, we waste something. When we don't forgive, we waste something. Not only does bitterness and anger and distance enter into our hearts and enter into our life. But when we hold on to unforgiveness, when we don't forgive over the course of time, we waste something. It was funny, I was chatting with our staff this week and I've done a version of this message before. In fact, the last time I did this message was about four years ago. We went back and looked almost to the day, not really, it was a couple of months down the road. But we've talked about forgiveness and we will continue to talk about forgiveness. And when we got to this point, I told John and Christina, I said, hey, listen, I'm going to tell this story, the story I always tell when I get to this point. John goes, please don't. It's like, we've, like people have heard it, like I've heard it. And I was like, John, you know, I, I'm going to tell it because I'm, it's really good. He even put a note on the slide, do not tell the story. Well, I'm ignoring him anyway because I'm going to tell the story. So my favorite movie of all time is A League of Their Own. I don't know if you remember that movie or not, but it's about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League that happened to form during World War II when our soldiers were fighting overseas. And in the movie, Tom Hanks's character, Jimmy Dugan, has been pretty much a chronic alcoholic for about 10 years, and he has stopped drinking. And he is saying to Gina Davis's character, Dottie Henson, he's saying, by the way, you know I love the movie because I named my dog Dottie after that character, just so you know. But Tom Hanks is saying to Gina Davis, You know, I gave up 10 years at the end of my career to drink, 10 years. And now there isn't anything that I wouldn't give to get back any one day of it because he knew something that he lost in that moment. And you are about to hear about something that you lose when you hold on to unforgiveness because when you don't forgive, when you don't let that emotion and the things that have happened to you, when you don't let forgiveness permeate your heart, you waste something. And it is the only thing on this planet, the only thing on planet earth that you can't get more of. Time. You waste time. You can get more money. You can get a better house. You can get more cars. You can get more friends. Heck, the money, the house, and the cars might make you more friends. You can get more kids. 
You can make more kids. You can have more kids. You can adopt a kid. I'm an adoption advocate. Like I got a couple of numbers you can call as long as your background is clean within the last 36 months. We can help you out. Some of you in the room, the background might, might, might not be clean in the last 36 months. That's okay. But we miss out on the one thing that we can't get more of, the only one thing that we can't get more of, and that is the thing that is constantly running out, and it is time. When you think back to the moments you've wasted, the moments you've missed, because you've held on to something that you couldn't let go of, it's time to let it go. Jesus knew this 2,000 some odd years ago, and it rings true today more than ever before. So what's the practical? You know, at Downtown Harbor Church, we pride ourselves on this. We put this word on the screen every single week. We put this word every single week on the screen because we want you to come into our rooms and hear a message on a Sunday and then put it directly into practice on Monday. Today's practical is easy. I'm going to talk about some steps here in a second because we're all in this room together. And by the way, I just believe in this. I believe that if you randomly walked into this room today or you don't know why you came in here today or this was the randomly, the day you selected to join DHC, that it was probably for a reason. And that reason is supernatural. God probably had you here for a very specific time such as this. What's the practical? One word, one action. Forgive. And this word is so loaded with time and emotion and power that it takes a long time to realize what it actually means. So in the end, when I pray in just a second, I'm going to lead us in just a prayer, crying out to God to help us forgive. But what does that mean that you do if you make the decision to forgive? Well, first thing is this, you might want to write a letter. Maybe the wrong was so hard that you say, I'm in that position that you talked about where I can't reconcile relationally. It's just not going to be healthy for me. That's fine. Some of us are there. You could forgive in your own heart. And somebody asked me after the first service, I love this question. I forgave this morning. Do I need to write a letter? And I said, yes. And here's why. Because if you don't, you miss out on what God might do through that story if you keep it to yourself. Who knows what could happen? Write a letter, letting the person know that you forgave them. Maybe they didn't even ask for it. Maybe they didn't even know they did something wrong. Don't send a text, don't send an email. Get out a pen and write a letter because there's power in words. Write a letter. Maybe when you forgive, maybe when you take that to the next level, you're going to actually make a call and you're going to pick up the phone and you're going to say, hey, this has been going on for way too long. Let's make it right. Maybe you're going to take it a step further and you're going to have a coffee or something like happy hour. I don't know what that looks like for you. But I know this, that when you say yes to forgiveness, God's going to write a story of restoration and redemption through your life like you've never seen before. When I did this message last time, there was a friend of mine who's still involved in the church today. 
who told me a story about this message and what it did for his life. And I know this friend of mine well, and I asked him permission to share it, and he was like, yeah, go ahead. Because up until the last time that we did this message, again, going back a number of years at Downtown Harbor Church, he told me that he and his dad were estranged. There were some issues there. I didn't even ask what the issues were. Don't care. I mean, I do care, but I didn't ask, you know. And he said right after this message, he got into his car and he called his dad. And he said, dad, there's no reason that this, the things between us should be this way. I think his dad on the other end of the phone agreed and they made it right. And to this day, years later, he tells me, not only do they have a relationship, but their relationship has been the best that it's ever been. And when I asked my buddy the permission to tell the story, he said, not only should you tell it, you tell them that our relationship's the best that it's ever been because you never know what story God is going to write when you act on his truth and his instructions. What could he do through your life? What could he do through your story? What could the world see through your story? It could be miraculous. These are God's stories, the stories of restoration and redemption that we only wish we could be a part of as we see written. That is a story centered in God and the words of Jesus. What could that look like in your life? As I've had an opportunity to be in ministry for over 20 years now, I've sat across from people in coffee shops and in restaurants and at bars And I've had this conversation so much with people who ask my opinion, if they're struggling or if they're down or if they're dealing with an issue, you want to know what everybody over and over and over says to me? They'll sit across from, whether it's me or any of our staff, and they'll just say, Adam, I just want peace. I I don't know where to find it, but I just want peace. And I'm already a Christian. I follow after Jesus, but there's something stirring inside me. I just want peace. And as we dig deeper and find out what some issues might be, and we do that together, my response is generally the same every single time. Forgive others, and you'll find peace. Let me pray for us. Father, For who you are, we're so thankful. And God, I pray that there's anybody in this room today that we would unite our hearts in the following prayer, that they would just say it in their own heart right here, right now. God, I had something in my mind and heart earlier that I've been wronged and maybe I I haven't let it go. And right now I ask you to not only come into my life, but reach into my life and help me to forgive. Help me to take those steps in the right direction. Maybe it's a letter. Maybe it's a call. Maybe it's a coffee. Maybe it's a dinner. I don't, God, I don't know what it is, but you do. God, we need help in this room to do it. We need help in this room to make it right. So today, God, we don't need to be long-winded in our prayers, but we say to you, we have a simple request. Help us to forgive. You tell us to do it. Now walk alongside us as we do. And we'll be so quick to give you all the glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.